This is First Down Dynasty, right here on the Sports Ethos Network. Welcome back to another edition of First Down Dynasty, right here on the Sports Ethos Radio Network. I am half of your host. I am Eric Kravit, a.k.a. The Krav, a.k.a. the two-time, three-time champ. And across the internet, across multiple highways and county lines and blah, 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 you know at this point. The only reason why I'm not a four-time champ this year, it is Bill Nye, the Dynasty Guy. You know, I was a three-time champ once. My God, that was so long ago now. Yeah, I, I, I miss it. I, I miss it. Hey, I, did, I did it twice. So but, I guess that means it's my turn next year. Yeah, 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 maybe, maybe not. Eh, kind of, sort of. Um, You can get us on social media, on the X Twitter, at FDD underscore ethos. We're also at BNK Radio. You could find us there. And also, breaking news, as soon as I'm able to find it on X. Hold on, where did it, where did it go? Because we it's have about a brand... the Bucks coach getting fired. No, we have a brand new um, partner um, with the oh. Sports Ethos Network. They're Believe. It's the Believe Network. Um, every team, everywhere, we believe. That's their tagline. And goddamn, if that isn't the most positive thing I've said in the past four years. Damn. Wow. We need, we need to up the positivity level. <laughs> you sound surprised. Go ahead and give them a follow on X at Believe Networks. That's B-L-E-A-V Network. Give them a follow. They're a new partner of Sports Ethos, and I'm sure collabs will be coming in the not-too-distant future. Will, we just finished the divisional round of the NFL playoffs some of people call this the best round of the playoffs in the NFL. This is where you weed out the wild card teams that might or might not deserve to be there. In many cases, we weeded out the uh, divisional champions that did not deserve to be there. And yet here we are. We weeded out a divisional champion in the wild card round because <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys are not good. We weeded out a couple of not necessarily non-deserving teams, but they weren't teams that we thought would be in the playoffs when the year started. So I went four and oh in my predictions. Well how'd you do? Two and two. If you went four and oh then I went two and two. That's right. Now I knew that Houston wasn't gonna win. I was just having fun supporting sure, my Jan. guy, CJ Stroud. Sure, Jan. I said it last week, so you could go back and check. I, I absolutely knew it was the uh boldest of uh picks there. <laughs> Um, but the one I was a little shocked about was the Bills game. More so just because the Bills had been, you know, on kind of a heater. They've been on a little bit of a roll. And Kansas City has not looked like Kansas City at all the entire year until the last two weeks. They've at least looked more like the Kansas City team that we are used to. And if we could sum up this week of football, we can do it in one word kickers because my god hey. those kickers hey hey a kicker is a, one of the reasons i won a championship this year you put some respect on some kickers names and so if, they give and they take if you're a buffalo bills fan we're gonna say the two most heartbreaking words in the history of your franchise we do apologize but we need to talk about it we need to talk about how the buffalo bills lost on a field goal that went wide right Tyler Bass is now the newest whipping boy in Buffalo after the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Um, it's a heartbreaker. Uh, Tyler Bass has since disabled all of his social media, which is never a good thing. Fans and uh, f fans and I guess followers of the team and trolls and all that stuff really, really like to harp on guys like this. Um, Tyler Bass is one of the best kickers in football. At least he started out the year that way. And as the year went on, he sort of got a little worse and a little worse and a little worse and a little worse. He's still somebody that has a job anybody else who's trolling him would kill to have. So I do feel terrible for Tyler Bass. 
but when you are the reason and you're the sole, well, not even the sole reason, because, you know, in a perfect world, in a perfect world, a game would never fall on a kicker, especially in a playoff game between two teams that have been going back and forth as frequently as the Bills have. Hell, the last time the Bills and Chiefs met in the regular season, the Bills won. It took Kadarius Tony lining up offside to make that happen, but still. The Bills won that game the last time they played in a three-point victory for the Chiefs on the road, Kansas City's uh, first road playoff game since Patrick Mahomes became the starter. Wild goddamn stat, by the way. Absolutely insane, wild stat. Um, Where do the Bills go from here, Will? I really don't know. Uh, It'll be interesting to see in the next few days if Sean McDermott as is going to be relieved of his duties if they're going to keep him. We haven't really heard anything. People have just been speculating. It has been a few days now, so I would like to think he's probably in the clear for this year at least. But some changes are coming. Um, you look at they, they did have a lot of bad luck with injuries, especially on defense this past year. And on offense, obviously, no Gabe Davis, which is at least a threat for them. Um, and Khalil Shakir is, I know Kravitz giving me the dislike we have to admit, we are not fans of Gabe Davis, but he is a deep threat that does stretch the field. Thank very you. Least, which is my point. Uh, Khalil Shakir kind of came on. He left um, the game temporarily with an injury. He wasn't really there. But the big question mark is, we've seen ups and downs in the history of the Bills career of Stephen Diggs. I don't know what happened. But for him to be basically invisible over the, you know, the last few weeks of the regular season and in the playoffs to where he's really not getting, you know, wide receiver one routes. He's getting a lot of close to the line of scrimmage stuff. I don't know what to make of it, but, you know, Josh Allen's uh, salary cap hit is about to spike this year. And so is Stefan Diggs. And there's going to be need to be some restructuring of contracts probably. But it really would not surprise me if they tried to move Stefan Diggs. Because something's clearly still going on behind the scenes. They've been hesitant to do it, obviously. When you have a number one guy like that, you don't want to, you know, you still want to keep your number one receiver. But he hasn't been used like that since the first half of this year. And with the amount of quality wide receivers available this offseason it really wouldn't surprise me if they were to trade or even just straight up cut him and try to go after a different receiver i feel like cutting stefan diggs is a fool's errand you he still has the name value of stefan diggs i'm sure you could try to at least try to trade him just like i'm sure at least i'm sure you'll be able to yeah like cutting stuff cutting stefan diggs is like the last possible resort And we'll talk about those free agent wide receivers a little bit later. On to the next game. The San Francisco 49ers played in a little bit of a nail-biter. All of these games were one possession except for one of them. And, of course, we'll get to that after we talk about the Green Bay Packers losing a heartbreaker. They were winning with a minute 15 left in this game. Lost to the San Francisco 49ers after Jordan Love threw an interception on what could have been the game-tying drive with less than a minute left. But Packers fans were saying it all postseason. They're playing with house money. Nobody expected them to make the playoffs. Everybody except expected the Vikings to play well, but that went to shit when Kirk Cousins got hurt. People expected the Lions to play well, but not nearly as well as they played. And, of course, you have the Chicago Bears who are just kind of there. So the Green Bay Packers, I'd argue, are in an incredible spot right now. Incredible young talent all across the offense. Something Aaron Rodgers would have killed to have. Literally murdered. He would have given somebody the COVID vaccine and watched them die, Will, because that's what the COVID vaccine does. That's sarcasm. In order to get the offense around him that Jordan Love has. All these guys are under 25 years old. The defense is solid. Do you just bolster up this defense to make it better? And are they a threat in the NFC moving forward? Um, well, Jordan Love can definitely help keep him in it. He's proven he's, you know, at least a starter in this league. 
they have a lot of good young weapons. I don't know if any of those weapons are like a true number one kind of guy. Um, I know you like Jaden Reed. He's been solid. Romeo Dubes has showed up at times. Christian Watson, you know, kind of a number two or number three to me. Definitely not a number one. Aaron Jones is getting older. Their other running backs are, you know, not quite up to par. So there are some question marks. The offensive line has some issues as well. Defensively, they're solid. I just don't, you know, we'll see what they do. I don't think the Packers are going to be anything special in the immediate future. I think they're going to kind of be where they are next year as well. I don't see a giant spike as far as their production, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. And ultimately, the San Francisco 49ers really did not have a great game. They did not come off that bye week looking really good. Uh, I think that'll be cleaned up a little bit, as while Detroit does have a very solid defense, it is obviously you can find some holes in it. And the San Francisco 49ers have Christian McCaffrey. And I know what people are saying about the QBs. Christian McCaffrey is my MVP for the season. I would absolutely give it to the running back over the quarterbacks. and. I mean, the dude is just a winner. He's just got it. What can you say? I think Purdy will figure it out a little bit. The big question is, will they have Debo Samuel this week? And if they don't, I mean, having two receivers, a tight end, and that running back, it's hard to cover. You take a piece away, and it gets a little bit easier. Well, we'll get we'll get there when we preview championship weekend, Will. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. You promise? I will do my best, but there are no promises in life. Mm. Just like you promised the people that the Houston Texans would beat the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore, the only game of the weekend that was not decided by a single possession as the Baltimore Ravens put the stomp, put the thump on the Houston Texans, 34-10. to Lamar Jackson is my MVP for the NFL and also for the league-winning team more championships than guns. Lamar Lamar played out of his mind. Four total touchdowns. He was the lead runner, lead rusher on the team as per usual. Ran for 100 yards and two touchdowns. Threw for two as well. 16-22 passing. He didn't need to really throw the ball much. Zay Flowers was the leading receiver with only 41 yards. And if this is what they continue to do against solid teams, they completely snuffed out the Texans. We hadn't seen a performance from the Texans this poorly since the Jets beat them. And the Jets beat them partially because the weather was terrible, partially because they knocked CJ Stroud out of that game. And we're not here Mostly to- for that reason. I'm gonna, let me try to give the Jets credit where I can, Will. You know how rare it is that we could do that? Yeah, I've kind of just uh, I've I've turned the Jets off from do my mind. Do you know how rare it is that we can do that, Will? I need time away from the depression it has caused me this oh, season. Oh, okay, so that's the difference between you and I. I take up a residency there. I'm there seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. That is my home away from home. I'm very comfortable in that particular space. But okay, moving fine. forward to the Ravens beating the crap out of the Texans, they held the Houston Texans to a grand total of 38 rushing yards. Absolutely ridiculous. CJ Stroud only threw for 175. People are calling this the best defense in the league and now in the AFC Championship. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but we'll have the Ravens' number one defense versus the offense of the Kansas City Chiefs who have sort of found their way in the playoffs how do the Texans get better can they get better is this their peak do they just improve on defense like what do they need to do because much like the Packers really young offense solid defense what do you do one stay healthy can we get Nico Collins Hank Dell Dalton Schultz and you know, insert any one of their other young wide receivers in there, or maybe even add one, which I don't think they'll add one, but insert another one of the young wide receivers. Can we get them all on the field at the same time? That would be great. Let's start there. And then more importantly, it'll depend on who actually gets cut, who becomes a free agent. There are a few possibilities. But Kravit, I want you to I want you to live in the moment with me. The Texans sign 
running back Saquon Barkley, who gets no contract from the Giants. It's not entirely impossible he gets the franchise tag, though. That could happen again. It is No, it is possible. I'm just saying that's the move. Or Texans sign former star running back of the Titans, Derrick Henry. I mean, I just did a quick Google search for the teams with the most amount of cap space in 2024. I'm going to read you the top three. The Washington Commanders with 62,595,000. Yeah, but no one wants to go there. The Titans with 65,758,000. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to go there either. And the Houston Texans with 59,382,000. And we have a winner. They're going to have a lot of money to spend. They have a lot of young guys on rookie contracts. Dalton Schultz was also only a one-year deal. They can look into re-signing him a little bit long-term. They can look into other tight end options, although they're not really looking to the tight end position for a lot of offensive production if you're the uh, Texans because you obviously have Nico and Tank and uh, let's say they sign Saquon or Derrick Henry or one of the other 10 running backs who are free agents. Imagine if they sign Austin Eckler. Another possibility. Another possi- the possibilities are actually endless. Well, the beautiful thing, and then the, they could address it in the draft if they so choose, but the beautiful thing about the Texans is the one position that they need, they have a little excess money, and they are going to sign one of these running backs that it actually has a lot of production in their history, and they're going to be able to add a meaningful piece. But not a lot of other teams are saying, I can have the money to pay you know, a top running back. And on top of that, they're able to pay a top running back while coming off of a division win and a wild card playoff win. So it's an incredibly attractive destination. Just don't go to any massage parlors, please. We do not need that in our lives. Once again, if you go ahead and decide to sign with the Houston Texans. The final game of the weekend was a barn burner. Everybody, everybody, everybody loves themselves some Detroit Lions right now. Dan Campbell is still out here biting kneecaps. And he took a chunk out of Baker's when the when the Detroit Lions beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 31 to 23 behind impressive impressive performances by Jameer Gibbs and by Sam Laporta and just the entire team Aiden Hutchinson had four tackles he had a sack I'm just looking for Jackie Campbell Jack Campbell didn't do much of anything but <coughs> Amon Ross St. Brown also had an amazing day but you look at this Detroit Lions team people are saying that they don't win that Stafford trade unless they win a Super Bowl to go along with it. Looking at the absolute haul that they have on this team, just the young the young rookie contracts that they have on this team are ridiculous. Are they going to be the best team in the NFC moving forward for X amount of years? Or do we still have to worry about Dallas, still have to worry about Philadelphia, maybe somebody out of the NFC West like the Rams or I don't know. No, I don't know. Is Detroit it? They might be. It's on offense. Obviously, here's the problem I'm looking at. Goff, I don't remember what his current contract status is. I know he's not being paid like one of the top current ones. But based on the last two years, he's probably due to get a raise. Um, So that may hinder them a little bit. But the other thing to consider and the thing I'm worried about is whenever this run ends, Ben Johnson likely is going to be a head coach somewhere. And he is their offensive coordinator that a lot of people credit with how good this offense is. Obviously, they have talent everywhere. But he is one of the main guys and, you know, one of the people that people are talking about is why golf looks so good um, right now, especially. So I would be concerned if, you know, you bring in a new offense coordinator and then they may take a step back, say next year. Uh, and obviously golf, if he does get an extension or a heightened um, salary cap hit, if that may affect anything, 
But you look at Amon Ra, he's, I think he's due up for a contract next year. But Laporta and Gibbs are both young. Montgomery's on a cheap deal. Uh, Jameson Williams is on a cheap deal. The guys, um, their other receivers are, you know, not guys demanding big contracts. So they can definitely keep it together. The defense is much improved. You probably add another piece in the offseason there. And they could be there for a few years. I think the biggest concern is that offensive coordinator leaving for me and possibly them needing to take a step back next year. Talk to me about the Bucks Again, another surprise team right there with the Packers. Nobody expected them to win their division. A lot of people were calling it for the Saints. Stupid people were calling it for the Falcons. And nobody was calling it for the Panthers. So no. what do you do with Baker Mayfield? The rumor is he's going to get $40 million a year, which is dumb. He should get a Geno Smith type deal, three years, 100 mil in that range. He did outperform his obvious, obviously low expectations with a team like that. But they have a lot of people coming off the books, and we'll talk about that as soon as we're done talking about Baker and just this entire team. That defense is going to be losing some key pieces as well in free agency. Um, but they, they might be in a prime position to draft Jeremiah Trotter Jr. to sort of replace what might be leaving who knows but what do the bucks need to do to at least stay where they are because a lot of people are expecting them to take a step back next year it's hard to make that decision obviously they want to bring baker back they want to keep people together but mike evans is probably gone in free agency we'll touch on him in a little bit and you have a young team offensive line up and down but rashad white is very talented very good but he, they, they, as a team, they really struggled to run the ball. He was fantastic um, as a pass catcher. Uh, but I believe I checked the, uh, the stats at, I think, halftime. And he had, like, seven carries for 50-something yards. And then, like, they didn't run the ball at all. Now, I know they haven't been as effective. But when your guys touch the ball seven times and he's got over 50 yards, can, can we run the ball a little bit more? I mean, Todd Bowles, what, 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 what are we doing here? I mean, we know exactly what he's doing. He was our head coach for a little while. Well, we're very, very, very familiar with the ineptitude that can be Todd Bowles as a head coach. And Miami sort of screwed it up a little bit the same way. Devon Achan was running very well. And all of a sudden, he did not see the ball in their game against the Chiefs in that record-breaking cold game. Honestly... It's when you see the what the the transition the Tampa Bay is heading towards, like the defense is gonna have a lot of turnover. You are gonna lose Mike Evans. Chris Godwin has chronic knee problems and he is injured a lot. So what the t- is the team gonna look like, honestly? Even if you thought about giving Baker Mayfield that contract, the team is gonna take a major step back. I almost think that they should make the executive decision to kind of clean out a lot of their roster and, you know, go youth, especially on the defense, just kind of rebuild it. Baker's still a relatively young guy. He's not going anywhere. So even if you want to give him the contract, um, kind of, you know, get as much assets as you can, let people go reset and kind of rebuild the team again. They did just win a Super Bowl just a few years ago. So this team is kind of in transition or heading that way, even though they made the playoffs already. So I think I would kind of break it down a little further. I was going to say they're supposed to be in transition this year. And here they are winning their division, making it to the playoffs and winning a round against the Eagles. Although we could have put together a football team of our friends and we probably would have been competitive against the Eagles. Maybe not Maybe not have won. I want to give them some credit. But the way that they closed out the season, we may have been competitive. I'm not saying we would be. But, you know, anything is possible in the NFL. And we saw that um, uh, Baker Mayfield taking down Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles is a way to absolutely justify that. We mentioned Mike Evans might not be back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as he is going to be a free agent going into this offseason. And this is a big offseason for free agents at both running back and wide receiver. Next week, we'll dive in a little bit into the depth that is that running back class because that is deep. That is real deep, and that will probably take up a little bit more time 
than the wide receivers. Well, the wide receivers, there are really only five guys that are worth diving into. You'll have guys like Gabe Davis, but if you know me and Will, you know that we don't give a rat's ass about Gabe Davis. And there are other people out there who are good, but they're more complimentary pieces. A team's third wide receiver, fourth wide receiver, that sort of stuff. There are five main guys, at least in my mind, going into this offseason that could potentially be big ticket free agents. You have T. Higgins, you have Michael Pittman, you have Odell Beckham Jr., you have Calvin Ridley, and you have Mike Evans. Those are the five, and I guess you could really sort of take away Odell Beckham Jr. from that list because he's older, he's obviously not who he was when he was with the Giants, but he's still a big name, teams still respect him, he'll command some sort of a contract going into the 2024 season. Now, at the top of this list, we do have Mike Evans, and I'm so glad you and I are on the same page for this because, God damn it, I know you said you didn't want to live in depression, Will, but I'm going to invite you in, I'm going to open the door. Because how sick, how amazing would it be to have Garrett Wilson on one side of an offensive line with Aaron Rodgers, Brees Hall in the backfield, and on the other side, in green and white, number 13, Mike Evans, complimenting both Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. I I do love that I sense enthusiasm from this uh, potential You got to find it somewhere. Because I know you've not always been a fan, but in general, you look at what he could potentially bring. He brings the size. He brings a wide catch radius. He brings a red zone threat. And he can still go deep and take the top off the ball. And when you have a wide receiver like Garrett on the other side and you have a running back like Reese, if you can keep a defense honest by keeping you know, attention on each part of the field, the right, the left, and the middle, that's definitely beneficial, and I think he complements Garrett, who's not as big of a receiver, although still very dynamic. I think it, you know, would look very similar to, you know, Godwin Evans as it is now, and obviously we're hoping <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers as opposed to whatever the hell happened this season, it looks a lot better. So there's definitely a lot of potential there, and it does seem realistic because out of the options that we're going to discuss, probably the obviously a little bit older but you know you don't have as wide of a window probably not going to command as big of a contract as someone like t higgins or uh some of the other guys so i definitely think it's probably you know a solid fit for us and i think uh it would be good my the issue with t higgins is that he is tag eligible the Bengals, it is possible the Bengals also have 53 million dollars in open cap space and the wide receiver tag going into this year is 21 million dollars so I'm sure they're going to try to work something out, but with the way Joe Burrow had his contract structured, it makes a lot of sense for the Bengals to just franchise tag T. Higgins. And while he would be free to go out and explore other opportunities, I think I read, somebody told me, that a team would have to give up two first-round picks in order to sign T. Higgins, and the Bengals have the opportunity to match whatever offer he would potentially accept from another team. Yes, depending on which tag. Yeah. Two firsts is a lot to give up. And then to pay him an awfully lot of money. So, I mean, it's possible. We'll see what they do. But did, I believe they also do have to pay Jamar this year, do they not? I don't think they're paying Jamar. Jamar came into Jamar's the next after T. So Jamar would be a free agent next year. Uh, p- okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jamar I'm not worried about. I don't, I don't think he becomes a free agent until next year. And that's if they don't pick up his fifth-year option. Uh, that's fair. Um. So let's assume T gets tagged, which I think people are at this point expecting. Uh, we'd be kind of shocked if it didn't, but let's assume he is. And Mike Evans is arguably the most, you know, probably consistent receiver available. And he's going to have options because, as we've just seen this past week, Buffalo needs receiver help. Kansas City, obviously well-documented, they need receiver help. Uh, so there is going to be competition for these uh, top-end guys. And um, one of the guys who did not have a great year was poised to after coming back. That was Calvin Ridley, right? I Such an up-and-down year. They do have a deep group of wide receivers in Jacksonville. I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Calvin Ridley made his way to Patrick Mahomes in the offseason. 
I wouldn't be surprised partially because he's going to end up somewhere else. If the uh, Jaguars keep him, they forfeit a second-round pick. And there's no way in hell they're going to be doing that in order to keep Calvin Ridley. Had he performed the way that people expected him to, then that would make a lot of sense. But that didn't happen. Trevor Lawrence didn't take any steps forward. That offense sort of, you know, stagnated towards the end of the year, completely missed out on the playoffs. They were 8-3 at one point. They finished the season 9-8. and eight. You do the math. So a bad collapse. Bad, 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 bad collapse. You don't that, that's something that um uh Eagles fans I think would like to have more light shown upon it. Because both teams went one and five down the stretch. One just happened to be ten and one, the other eight and three. Eh, I, I definitely, definitely, definitely do think that the Jaguars deserve more criticism than they're receiving right now. But Calvin Ridley, I think, can go somewhere and make an immediate impact. I think the Giants are going to be looking at a wide receiver. They desperately need it to go along with whoever ends up. And I know, I know, I know, I'm going to say the same thing. You're typing something right now, and I guarantee you, you're typing the word Giants next to Odell Beckham Jr. I guarantee it, because that's where I was going to go with it. But the Giants need a wide receiver. We have the same brain, ladies and gentlemen, in case it wasn't. We do. It's scary. The Giants need a wide receiver. Um, Tyler Boyd is gone from the Bengals, so they'll need a third receiver unless um, Yoshivas takes the next step or Charlie Jones takes the next step. Dallas also will need a second receiver. Um, If A.J. Brown somehow moves, that's going to be something to keep an eye out on. Calvin Ridley in Philly would be kind of cool. It would be interesting. The, re- the real question is, does AJ does AJB go full AB and go nuts? Because he's kind of trending that way with his uh, diva attitude, which wide receivers, they typically got a little diva that we get that. But all his complaining, and for the most part for the year, he's been involved in every game. He's had great numbers, but a few games, just like a few where he didn't have a good game, and he's mouthing off, and he's upset with, quarterback and the offensive coordinator and well the offensive coordinator he's not the coordinator anymore um but just all the complaints and then the talk about you know the social media stuff and the dallas thing and you know he's he hasn't got full a b yet but i'd say he's probably about 30 percent a b right now we don't want to see it go up i'd say he's 50 percent a b 50 percent a b i would say he's 50 percent mr big chest Okay, so we're we're fifty percent away yeah. from dropping the J and becoming full AB. Yeah, um, uh, he has earned the right to command the ball. I will say that statistically, one of the top five receivers of the past five years, even when we even when he was with Tennessee, when he was healthy, he was a monster, and we saw because they traded AJ Brown for AJ Brown's replacement in Traylon Burks. You can't just replace that. You can't just replace that production because you don't want to pay somebody. So A.J. Brown, absolutely talented, ridiculous talent. He has been getting hurt more and more as the years have gone on. His knees and his ankles and his legs just in general haven't been great, at least when it comes to staying healthy. But Calvin Ridley going there would be cool. Calvin Ridley on the Giants would also be kind of cool. I don't know what the Browns are going to do at receiver because Elijah Moore is not that guy. They drafted David Bell. They drafted, uh, yes, well, Cedric Tillman. Go figure that out of the three Ole Miss receivers of Elijah Moore, A.J. Brown, and D.K. Metcalf, D.K. would appear to be the most sane one. And he's the one who eats Sour Patch Kids for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Nuts. It, it's, it's a crazy world we live in. I mean, hey, that's that that's the way the world is now. Um, and uh, we mentioned the Giants because uh, I brought it up. It's a possible landing spot for Calvin Ridley. And, uh, ladies, I, I do need to say this. We use Google Sheets to, like, have our show sheet and, like, just to keep us on track. And when you type something in, it's a gray box. You don't get to see what the other person is typing. So when I was talking about the Giants and when Will was typing the Giants next to Odell Beckham Jr., I had no idea that's what he was saying. And I did not have my visual aid on Kravitz, so I had no idea what he was actually leaning towards because I was focused elsewhere. But tell me that Odell Beckham Jr. on the Giants to, I would assume, to end his career 
would not be poetic justice. Try to get Daniel Jones or whoever the quarterback is for the Giants back on the right ship. Sort of steer him the right way. And goddamn. Goddamn, that would just be great. Also, Odell Beckham signing with the Giants is contingent on Saquon Barkley still being there. Because I promise you, Odell Beckham, at least at this point in his career, wants to go to a contender. He he won the Super Bowl with the Rams, correct? Correct. Yes, he, he might end up back there again with the Ravens. We'll talk about that in less than 10 minutes. Less than five minutes even. But Odell Beckham Jr. helping right the wrongs that he did with the Giants off the field by showing up, being a mentor for the kids in the locker room, your Wandells, your Jalen Hyatts. Because who knows if Darren Waller is going to be there next year. I think it's a club option. So we'll see what happens with that. Eric Gray might be the starting running back next year because it's not going to be Matt Breida. So the entire team is going to be in flux. No one knows what's going to happen with the Giants next year if they don't resign Saquon Barkley. And if they do resign Saquon Barkley, I do think Odell Beckham coming in to be the team's de facto wide receiver one, mentoring that locker room, because right now they have no veteran presence. They wanted Kenny Galladay to be that guy. But goddamn, that was a failed experiment and a half. Just miserable. Have you ever seen a wide receiver take a nosedive as quick as Kenny Galladay? Um, because he was he was injured with Detroit, but he was still there, and he was still impactful in the, some of his games, and then just zoop right to nothing. Damn. I'm trying to think. I, I can think of guys who were drafted in and just didn't live up to the hype and completely took a nosedive. Mm. But Kenny Galladay at one point was considered a top five dynasty wide receiver, top five wide receiver in the league, and the he he did sign with the Giants after he got hurt. So it's not like he was coming off an amazing year. The Giants snatched him. But boy, oh boy, he did a grand total of God, nothing. He did nothing for the Giants. He caught one touchdown in three years for the Giants. That's what Kenny Galladay <laughs> did. Just, yep. And... Just an absolute, complete waste of money, waste of hope. Although New York sports fans have experienced wasting hope for almost a decade now. Since 2015. Well, it's just it's just crazy. I mean, he had, in 2019, 1,000 yards and 11 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Was injured a lot in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, 20 catches, 338, left, went to the Giants, and had 600 yards total so far in two years with the Giants and one touchdown, as you mentioned. But going from a 1,000-yard, 11-touchdown season to then over the next three years, having less than 1,000 and three touchdowns, like that's that's a crazy drop off, and that's he's coming, not even thirty. No, that and that's coming from a bad Detroit team. That's not the Detroit Lions that right. we're seeing now. That was right. from a really bad Detroit Lions team, and to go from that situation where you're the alpha dog to a New York Giants team that was supposed to be good, where you would be an even bigger alpha dog because you're in the New York market now. You're going to be the guy to go ahead and completely just vanish. To be hit with a fissure and just completely disappear. You got one hit KO'd. Gone. Nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be seen again. Um, we are on X. At FDD underscore ethos. At BNK Radio. Get involved in the conversation. Let us know what you thought Kenny Galladay was going to be with the Giants. Let us know who you think is going to win the AFC Championship or the NFC Championship. We have those games this Sunday, Will, 3.30 EST, first game of the weekend. Are you excited? Mm. Uh, Honestly, I really don't care about the AFC game too much. (laughs) Got to be honest. Because it's either Mahomes again, pulling it out, even though it's like it's Mahomes in the playoffs is getting to be like one of those things where it, it really is like Tom Brady. You almost don't believe he's gonna lose until he does which it'll happen at some point but it's it's got that feel to it where like on paper everyone should be betting on the ravens and most people probably will be but then there's the chiefs who are now the patriots and he's now tom brady 
and you just you have a hard time actually picking someone other than him. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call them the Patriots in a sense that Patrick Mahomes is much more likable than Tom Brady. Mm. And Andy Reid is much more likable than Bill Belichick. Well, that's that goes without saying. But hey, I'm I'm just making the comparisons here. Um they're the first game, by the way. That's why we're talking about them. We'll get to the NFC a little bit after. But the Kansas City Chiefs, oh man, I think both of these three seeds have the potential to upset the Ravens and the Niners, respectively, because the Chiefs going into the playoffs were not playing good football. They um, uh, beat the crap out of the Chargers in Week 18, but that was because everybody's you know backups were in. Michael Pirine was a starting running back for the Chiefs in Week 18. That's all you need to know about that particular game. They played the Dolphins, but the Dolphins were really unprepared for the weather and for what everything was going about, and everybody expected the Chiefs to win that game. So for me, my jaded ass, last week was the first playoff game for the Kansas City Chiefs. That was going to be the test whether or not they could end up beating Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And Lamar Jackson, going to be a two-time MVP, which some people say already, Hall of Famer. I'm on the, I'm on, I'm a little on the edge on that. Because oh, McCaffrey. Yeah. We'll get there at some point. Um, but the past, uh, he, he's one in three in the playoffs right now. Going, going into this, going into this postseason, I should say, he was one in three. So he's two and three right now. And the last win came against the Texans, who great team. Nobody expected them to be there, and everybody other than Will expected the Ravens to beat the Texans. So I had a dream. Yes, you did. It didn't end up. (laughs) Sorry, bud. So this is going to be a huge test for the Baltimore Ravens as well. Number one defense goes up against what's looking like that number one offense again. Travis Kelsey finally found his footing against against the Bills. Two touchdowns, 70 yards, whatever it was. He did, he had a first great game in well, two, two and a half, three months. Do you think that carries over? Does the defense shut down Patrick Mahomes? And on the other side, the Chiefs defense has been playing incredibly well. Last week was the first touchdown Legereus Need let up all season long. And that was that was uh, to Sherfield. Is that Trenton Sherfield was the yeah. guy who, yeah, he, he ran the button right and it was a perfect route. And Allen laid it up on him. There was no defending that. So that that Chiefs defense has been great too. Do they shut down Lamar and everything that they have in the run game with and Zay Flowers and Odell? This is a really interesting matchup. It is a really interesting matchup. But if the Chiefs offense is playing anybody, no, the Ravens have the best defense on paper. And obviously their defense has been amazing all year. But the game plan for Kansas City as far as stopping Lamar is probably going to be the same thing you just witnessed against Josh Allen. The difference is Allen ran all over them. But outside of that, they really didn't have too much going on. Allen pretty much was the entire offense. Whereas this week, I think they'd have a more concerted effort of stopping Lamar and trying to make the wide receivers for Baltimore beat them above anything. So it's going to be interesting, but they have the game plan because I really don't think stopping Lamar is that dissimilar from trying to stop Josh Allen. I think they run those systems relatively similar as far as the game plan. You got to stop the quarterback. And they, while Allen did have, you know, a lot of rushing yards on the ground, he was okay through the air. And they held him in check when it mattered most. So it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be even more of a defensive game than it was against the Bills. I really think this is going to be like a 17-14 kind of game, very defensive. And it's going to come down to probably which quarterback has an extra rushing touchdown. I don't see either team allowing a whole lot. So it's definitely going to be fun to watch. I'm torn. I don't really want the Chiefs to win. I don't want the Ravens to win, ultimately. I'm going to stick with um, somehow, someway, I feel like I should stick with Mahomes is the gut feeling. Why don't you want the Ravens to win? You explained why you don't want the Patriots to, but why not the Ravens? Uh, Pretty much because 
they're the epitome of everything the Jets aren't, and it makes me jealous. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yet, yet, <laughs> yet somehow, especially during this regime, they haven't had great postseason success. Um, so the Chiefs have. As far as the teams remaining, obviously San Francisco's been in the playoffs a lot, but this Chiefs team, compared to the other three, is the only championship team left from the previous few years, and they just they know how to win. It so until someone takes them out, I'm gonna stick with them. I thought the Bills were gonna do it, and now just let's go. No. I, I had a feeling that the Bills were not gonna be the team to do it, partially because as a Jets fan, I want nothing but misery for the team, the Buffalo Bills. The players, lots of success off the field. For the Buffalo fans, no success on the field. We do know a couple of Buffalo Bills fans, and I want nothing but success for them as people. So I'm not going to besmirch the quote-unquote good name of a Buffalo Bills fan. Won't do that. Um, I was watching a McAfee yesterday, Pat McAfee's show, and he said that the Baltimore Ravens, their stadium, they play at, uh, they're not at MNT. Where are they? Where do they play? Anyway, whatever it is. I, I thought it was MNT Stadium. Oh, maybe it is M&T Stadium. Hmm. Um, let's do the quick uh, M&T Stadium. Boom, boom, boom. It is. Look at that. Look at me knowing stadiums. Also, I know stadiums. I know the Minnesota Vikings play in a dome. Go figure. Uh, the, another reporter actually got that confused um, very recently. They thought a team played in a, uh, outside when they play in a dome. So I, I want to make that perfectly clear. It could happen to anybody. Could happen to anybody. Um, they say M&T Stadium is one of the most underrated, loud places to play in the NFL. Um, it's rowdy. It's loud. Baltimore fans don't like opposing teams, and they don't like them real bad. Baltimore fans also show up. It's not one of those places like MetLife. It's not a destination where people will just congregate to and flock to just because they're in New York. Nobody goes to Baltimore and be like, oh, while we're here, let's go to a game. You go to Baltimore to go to a game if that's your purpose to do it. And I would say that that sort of an atmosphere might rattle 30 other teams. But when you when 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 you say the Kansas City Chiefs, the first thing people think of is Arrowhead Stadium and how ridiculous and loud and insane that stadium can be. Just absolutely insane. And I don't want to agree with you here. I really wanted to go into this picking the Baltimore Ravens because I, too, don't really want the Chiefs to win. Don't really want the Ravens to win. I didn't have a winner picked. But with the way Mahomes is playing, the fact that they actually do have a passing game, although the rumor is Mark Andrews will be ready for this game, and that opens up an entirely different dimension for the Baltimore Ravens. Nobody's seen Mark Andrews on a football field in over two months. Who knows how he's how well he's going to play. Oh, man. I really want to pick the Chiefs just because they're used to a hostile environment. They know how to win in January. But I think it's destined that the Harbaugh brothers are going to win championships in 2024. I think it's destined that Lamar Jackson will win his Super Bowl Along with his, I'm sorry, second MVP. It's not going to be Christian McCaffrey. I'm sorry. Damn. And I really think that the Baltimore Ravens will take that next step to be one of the best teams in football for a long time. They took the gamble on Lamar. It's obviously paid off. And you said it when you were doing your analysis earlier. Josh Allen ran all over this defense. He the, the middle of the field was wide open for the taking for the Buffalo Bills. On most first downs, six yards, seven yards, eight yards, just right up the middle. Ty Johnson looked like a good running back against the Chiefs. Well, Ty Johnson. Gus Edwards is a bruiser. Justice Hill finesses you out of the backfield, and you know Lamar is going to get his carries. Plus, they, I, I would take Zay Flowers over Stephen Diggs right now. I would take Odell over uh, Khalil Shakir. 
And I would take Rashad Bateman over Trent Shurfield. I would take Mark Andrews. Hell, I might even take Isaiah Likely over both Dawson Knox and uh, Dalton Kincaid. Plus, they're playing at home. You know what? Screw it. I think the Ravens are going to win. I mean, that's, well, I can't believe I said that like it's a hot take. The number one team is going to win. Oh, boy. It's, it's absolutely not a hot take. And like last week, I knew the Ravens were going to win. But I don't know. It's it's a theme. I follow the quarterback. And well, we'll see. I mean, you can certainly not blame anyone for being like, I know the Ravens are better, but I'm choosing to follow Mahomes being able to pull it out. You can certainly understand the perspective. And that's pretty much it. The offense has still struggled, but you still have weapons. Their defense is playing much better. And historically, the Ravens have, in the last, you know, in this iteration of the Ravens team, they've come up short a lot. So it'll be interesting to see, um, because I think we could agree, as far as the team is concerned, this going from the Texans to uh, the Chiefs is probably the biggest jump from the previous week oh, that any of these teams are facing. Two completely different ends of the spectrum. Exactly. Um, so, you know, it'll be, it's definitely going to be a fun game. I'm overall, I'm not going to be like too thrilled either way. So, you I know, it's be. whatever. I mean, I want to be right. So I'll be thrilled if and when okay, Baltimore fine. wins. Uh, moving on to the NFC Championship game. And I think this is the game with the most potential for an upset just because I have never seen a team with more momentum than the Detroit Lions have right now. The Detroit Lions are playing like they're Jesus Christ's favorite team with everything coming up. Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, Ryan Gosling, Lion Gosling himself playing on a completely different level, 270 plus yards, two touchdowns this past weekend, excuse me, against the Buccaneers. Jameer Gibbs, 14 touches, 114 yards, and a touchdown. Like, Jameer Gibbs is that dude. B. John Robinson came into the year with a lot of hype, and deservedly so. But people forgot about Jameer Gibbs, and he made everybody remember. Dude's a legitimate dual threat out of the backfield. So he can catch the ball. He can run the ball. He can do it all. Sam Laporta, best tight end in football right now. Amon Ross, Sam Brown, a top five wide receiver right now. And that defense is nothing to sneeze at. They do give up big plays, which is a problem. Huge problem for them. And if Debo Samuel plays, that's going to be exploited more times than it should in a conference championship game. And on the other side of that, Debo Samuel has to play in this game for the 49ers to stand a chance. I feel confident in saying that. I mean, they still have plenty of weapons to work with. Oh, I'm yeah, not saying they don't. A... Oh, no, I know. But you take that big weapon away, and it just it makes it that much harder. We know that Detroit could get after the passer, and Brock Purdy was okay, did not have a great game this past week. So, really, this is going to be his chance to, you know, make a name for himself if he could get to that Super Bowl. If not... You know, he's still going to face those question marks moving forward. And I'm I'm torn because I really would love to see whoever comes out of the NFC win the whole thing. If it's San Francisco, I'd love for, to see McCaffrey get a ring. I'd love to see the kid Purdy get one. I'd love to see George Kittle, who's one of my favorite guys in the league. I'd love to see him get one. Uh, and a guy like... Kyle Juszczyk, because everyone loves the fullback. And if um, Detroit were to win, that city just deserves it. Uh, San Francisco, Not that San Francisco doesn't, but you know what? They've been successful. To be as bad as Detroit's been for as long as it's been and to then get a title would be absolutely fantastic. And for Jared Goff, it would just make the trade for him and Stafford just one of those perfect trades where both teams got absolutely what they wanted and needed and both teams got uh, a title out of it. I'm just trying to weigh which I would like to see more. And ultimately I think most of America would rather see the lions. And I don't think it's going to happen. I think overall San Francisco is going to prove a little bit too much overall. I think they're going to take the fact that they almost lost and played so bad last week 
Um, personally, I think you know they're going to clean it up a little bit. But I would like to see the Lions. Like I said, Debo Samuel has to play in this game in order for San Francisco to have a chance. Um, the Lions defense is good at not... They're good at playing little defense, right? Like, they give up big plays, but if they're not giving up big plays, they're not giving up a ton of yards most of the time. And the big play threat for the 49ers is not Christian McCaffrey, because you know he's going to get his touches, and all of his touches basically are schemed to either be, you know, a dump-off pass or a screen or a run. Like, you know what you're going to get with Christian McCaffrey. When Debo's on the field, you have no idea what's going to happen. It could be an end around. He could go down the field for 20 yards. He could do a ton of things. He could he, he could take the ball out of the backfield. He could line up as a running back, run 15 yards with a curl, and you know, catch the ball. He is the wild card. He's the X factor, and he's the best in the league at it. Other teams try and fail to duplicate that success. When Debo is on the field, they average over eight yards of play. When he's off the field, they average under six. And that means something. Debo Samuel, I'm not going to say he's the straw that stirs the drink because Christian McCaffrey is the straw that stirs that drink. 150%. But he's almost as important. He might be the ice cubes in that drink. He he might make a little noise. He might do a bunch of stuff. Who knows? <clears throat> um, If Debo plays, the 49ers win this game. I think the big plays will do that. If he doesn't, uh, I think we're going to be biting some more kneecaps. I think we're taking chunks out of thighs and calves and, and, and Achilles and all sorts of stuff. And the 49ers, once again, will be, you know, be outed of the playoff, outed, outed of the Super Bowl by injuries. The, the way that the Lions are playing, second to none right now, it's, it, it, I haven't seen anything like this. Plus... If the city of Detroit can have hope in winning a Super Bowl, why can't the Jets? Why can't we have that same hope that Detroit has at some point? At some point. Because for a very long time, the Detroit Lions were the laughing stock of the football. Now it's us. Now we are that laughing stock. If they can come back, if they could rise from the ashes, if they could punch through that casket, put their hand above the soil, and come alive from the dead. Why can't the Jets? Give me the Detroit Lions. Give me the Detroit Lions over the San Francisco 49ers. And give me the Baltimore Ravens over the Kansas City Chiefs. We are completely opposite. When it well, comes that's to the way we like picking. We, we try to do it as best we can because we agree on so many things. So it is good from that aspect. And Kravitz, you asked why. Because the Lions were bad. But the Jets tried and everything just blows up in their face as opposed to just straight being bad. That's why it hurts more. Because not only do you have a plan, it seems good, and then it just completely backfires as opposed to having a bad plan and just being bad. I think it almost makes it worse. But, you know, that's a discussion that we can obviously have for another time. For example, we have the Monday night opener of the year. It's a big deal. The crowd's rocking. Our new star quarterback comes running out with the American flag. It's the American dream, and it's over. It's like the Family no, Guy no. skit came <laughs> into life. I was going to say, Family Guy did it, and I don't think they did it exactly like that. They took a shit on one of our other teams, which is They, they knew it good, was close enough. But... They knew it was close enough. <laughs> But that's where we are. <laughs> and uh, we're also at the end of our journey here on this episode of First Down Dynasty. Get at us on social media at FDD underscore ethos at BNK Radio. Will has the Chiefs going up against the 49ers. We're going all red to Super Bowl 58. We're at 58 already. Insane. And I'm going Lions versus Birds. Lions versus Ravens. A battle of Detroit and Baltimore is going to be a hell of a weekend. I cannot wait to see how it unfolds. Thank you guys for taking a listen. Rate us wherever you can find us. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, not Google Podcasts because they're shutting down now, but everywhere you can find us. Also follow Sports Ethos on X Twitter if you haven't already. 
And that's it. We'll see you next week. He's Bill Nye, the fantasy guy. I'm the Krav. We'll see you next time right here on First Down Dynasty. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you.